You're listening to the Mini Market Podcast presented by Tellum Sports. Welcome back to the Mini Market Podcast. The gang's all here this week. I'm Dalton with Isaiah, Connor, and Lucas. Guys, how are we doing? Brackets totally busted? Baby Arkansas, let's go. I just need them to keep winning. Just don't look back now, Arkansas. Keep winning. Also, uh, I'm going to say one thing. Every week when we're like, oh, the gang's all here, it feels like a little subtle shot at me for missing that one week. So don't think I forget. Yeah, we don't. Uh, <laughs> bracket fully busted. It's the best feeling is when your bracket gets super busted really early. You can just sit back and relax and watch the games. Enjoy them for what they are. Yeah, you just get to enjoy them. Exactly. Good, good basketball. Listen to Raft. Just yammer on about whatever i still think illinois is the best team in the country so i'll leave it at that <laughs> big Ten's the best conference too Dalt, what's your bracket look like <laughs> oh the bracket's looking nice i've got uh let's see i've got bama arkansas gonzaga i have three of my four final teams are still alive so uh hoping to hold out hope that i'll, I'll get a nice uh, i think i have bama over arkansas in the final something like that Fingers crossed there. But, you know, lost that sixth leg of the six-game parlay last weekend. So that was as good as a, a bracket buster there. Texas really twists the knife on me. But we'll get through it. Wait, I think that was a really good segue, Dalton. Didn't Texas just part ways with their head coach? Shaka Smart. Shaka Smart heading to Marquette, right? And Indeed. Yeah, Dalton, couple- have you ever been to Marquette? I have been to Marquette, and indeed, I have met Jay Crowder and Lamar Johnson Odom. <laughs> huge, huge, huge wow. meet and greet with those two guys in the Marquette bookstore. Buying women's clothing. I said, what up, guys? They said, hi. It was a magical moment. <laughs> okay, the, re- the reason it's actually a segue is because, I mean, the Gophers hire their new head coach for basketball, Ben Johnson, this past week. Shaka Smart was also rumored to be a guy that people thought might have a connection to Minnesota and might be willing to take the job here. Do you guys feel like we jumped the gun on Ben Johnson, or are you okay with it? Knowing that, hey, maybe we could have got Shaka Smart. I think it's interesting because if I remember correctly, I believe when they hired Patino, the Gophers were also looking at or potentially interested in Shaka Smart when he was at VCU. Um. So it's interesting to see. Maybe it's just a something where the money doesn't work, or he doesn't. He's maybe he's just not interested. But it's kind of tough that he like comes up and he goes to a Wisconsin school that's not a Power Five, and uh, I don't know. He seems like he built a pretty decent uh, roster there in Texas, and I guess I don't really know a ton about Ben Johnson other than he's one of us, um, which is obviously a big thing. People think. He's going to be a good in-state recruiter, which is always huge. Um, I sent you guys a message about Patino. He tweeted something out this week on congratulations to uh, to Ben Johnson, and he said something about, I taught him everything he knows about in-state recruiting with like a little laughing emoji, and I just died at that. I thought that was so funny that he just has – Patino has a great sense of humor, and I'm going to miss that. Uh, they have really good sound bites of him too, being a, of coaching the Wolves over the last like seven years, and but I, I don't know. I'm not confident right now. I just don't know if the Wolves, or sorry, if the, if the Gophers basketball program is like, if it even can be rebuilt. 
Like it just feels like it's a new guy all the time. And I'm skeptical. I don't know if, I don't know if this is the hire. Ben Johnson bringing unity to the community. Ooh, that's nice. TM. Wow. I am a little worried about the way the Gophers went about it from what I've been reading. Brian Dutcher, the San Diego State head coach, we talked a little bit about him last week. He's a Minnesota guy. And from what I read, the Gophers reached out to him. He was interested, but it was like the day after San Diego State had lost in the tournament. So he was like, okay, give me a couple days. I'm going to talk to like the SDSDU um, AD and stuff. And then the Gophers just went on and hired Ben Johnson. They're like, we're not waiting around. And I don't really get the sense of urgency. Why do you have to make a hiring within three days? Why can't you sort of let the market play out? Let the coaches who just ended their season sort of put a bow on their season and move on and then maybe look at your your head coaching vacancy. I don't understand the urgency of, well, we can't wait another day. We're going to hire this guy from Xavier. I don't really know much about Ben Johnson, but it seems kind of like a weird move. Good recruiter. That's his thing. Is he a good recruiter? Well, like, aren't aren't the guys like who would be recruited for next season? Aren't they pretty much already committed, or or is it too is it too early? Yeah, we're gonna suck next year. That's we're pretty pot committed on being shitty next year. Um, but I think the whole the whole premise is that Minnesota actually pumps out pretty high end basketball talent, and so going forward, if we're gonna be a perennial power in the Big Ten. They need to keep those kids in Minnesota and be able to go to other states and get their top kids. And so I think that's Ike's point, and that's why they hired him, is he's going to be the long-term solution. Is This is the thought process, at least, to keeping kids in state that are good and even potentially going out of state and getting good kids. And then once you get good kids, sometimes you know problems take care of themselves. But one concern that I have is, I feel like there was a ton of th- times where like Patino had decent squads and then the coaching just didn't seem to always be there. Like the halftime adjustments, we would come out and just get throttled in the second half. And for me, that'd be one of my concerns is I know he's a big time recruiter, but can he make the adjustments, the halftime adjustments to keep you in games? Because we all know the big 10 is, has pretty brutal schedules with a lot of decent teams. Yeah. And obviously it didn't show in the, in the tournament, but when you play like, pretty much every team in the conference can beat anyone in the conference. So it makes it a lot tougher where these games are going to come down to a wire and coaching plays a bigger role. Um, unless we just get like all five stars and then you just let them ball out like Kentucky back in the early 2000s. So, or 2010s. Yeah. I think the stat, the interesting stat, and I think probably a driver of the decision was there was 116 Minnesota kids in the tournament this year uh, across the 68 teams. And that was Whoa. the most of any state. So that means Minnesota dominates winter sports because we have wow. the most hockey players and we got state five teams hockey? in the tournament what? right now. This is a non sequitur. But we, then we had the most kids in the basketball uh, of any state. So I think that was a big driver of the decision. But it feels to me a lot like, um, you know, you break up with your significant other and they very quickly get over it and they find someone new really fast. Patino got hired right away. And then you kind of have this panic moment of like, did I make a mistake? Do I really still love them? And then you go to the next available option as fast as you can to try to like cover up your feelings that of loss. And uh, I think that's what happened here with the Gophers. They, you know, they let a good one go and they didn't think it would impact them as much as it did. And now they're just trying to cover their tracks. 
put it mend a hole in a heart using the flex seal to uh to seal up the hoover dam it's just not it's just not gonna work <laughs> that's a lot of damage well speaking of the gophers uh we actually do have a team in the national tournament. Um, the Gopher hockey team last night beat Omaha by a score of seven to two. Um, good Lord, that is a high scoring game for, um, for an NCAA tournament game. But it's not just the Gophers for that one. Uh, we also had MSU advance uh, beat Quinnipiac. I have no idea if I said Nailed that right, it. but it felt good. Yeah, and, no, perfect. Sounded good. Sounded good. Yeah. And St. Cloud, St. Cloud State <laughs> beat Boston University. Um, well, let's see. Bemidji State beat Wisconsin, which was a pretty big upset uh, in their little region. They seed teams one through four, and uh, Bemidji State was actually the four seed there. And then UMD got a forfeit over Michigan because Michigan fell into COVID stuff. So five of the final eight teams in uh, in the NCAA Men's Hockey Division One tournament are from Minnesota, and they'll at least be one Final Four team because Minnesota plays MSU in the second round. So that's pretty exciting. I mean, you touched on it. There's so many players, so many good high school players from Minnesota in the basketball tournament, and it's the same story with the hockey tournament. I think it's just a, a testament to Minnesota kids getting exposure, and like, there's a ton of talent in the state. I think in every sport, it is that way, and hockey's no different. I mean, the state of hockey, and it's really showing with all five of our Division One programs being in the NCAA tournament, and all of them winning or getting a forfeit in their first round game. And I should say UMD, I believe last night actually advanced to the, the frozen four. They beat North Dakota in five overtimes, which is the longest NCAA division one tournament game uh, of all time. So that is, that's kind of crazy too. Uh, The end of that game is where the coach just has to feel awesome about skating, just conditioning hard in the preseason like that's where after you win that game, you go into the locker room and you start pumping your tires. Like, boys, that's why we work in June and July and August and we're running and sprint. And the players are just like, damn it. We know next off season is going to be brutal because this is all he's going to talk. Because you got that one in the chamber. Yeah, that, that bullet is consistent. We're going to need this in the sixth overtime of the frozen four. <laughs> Absolutely. Brutal. Don't tell me it doesn't happen. <laughs> But yeah, so some exciting time in Minnesota, uh, Minnesota college hockey as well. Minnesota owns the winter. When six months out of the year is winter, you got to make it your own. And Minnesota high school Retweet. athletes are doing just that. People Love forget to too, for it. a long time, Gophers wrestling was really like a powerhouse. And we do still have like national champions. Like I think Gabe Stevenson is the current uh, heavyweight national champion wrestling for the Gophers. He's a beefcake. This dude dominates. He's a beefcake, and he does backflips when he wins matches, which is wild because the dude has to weigh at least 275 to wrestle at 285. So it's nuts. But, uh, yeah, the winter is ours, baby, on the north. What's the uh, matchup you're most looking forward to? I know mine. It's got to be Minnesota MSU. That'll be pretty fun. Also, what's Omaha doing in this tournament? Omaha, Omaha. How do they even get in here? They're the only team... Uh, who you could even consider slightly southern, and it's they, they didn't it's have a great wild. showing. They don't belong. The thing for Omaha is that they're in. I think they're in the conference with like Bemidji State and St. Cloud State, so that always bodes well for you to like get in good conferences and compete well. 
One of the matchups I'm really looking forward to, and this has a slight bias towards um, the wild as well, is the Boston College St. Cloud State. Boston College is the number two overall seed, so number one in their region. And they have, like, I think three or four. Um, I'm pretty sure Bo- Bill Guerin either went to Boston University or Boston College, and he loves guys from the Boston area. And they have, like, four prospects. And one of our higher-end prospects, Matt Boldy, is, like, Boston College's best player. So I'm excited to watch that game and kind of see how uh, see how St. Cloud fares up against Boston College because St. Cloud does have a bunch of really solid kids and and uh, and on a personal note, this is like kind of the end of the group that like some of the kids that I was in high school at the same time with because of like the junior system. So you know, a couple of these kids I still like recognize the name from like being in high school similar times. So that's kind of fun. And St. Cloud has a few of the guys who I've heard of. So excited to see that. I'm really hoping that we can just paint the paint the final five there or the the final four and have all the all the minnesota teams and that'd be sick quick over under two and a half final four teams from minnesota you taking the over or the under we've already got one you're guaranteed two i'm going under i don't love the the matchup i don't think i don't really trust bemidji state very much and boston college is real good so I'm going just the Gophers and uh, UMD. They could meet in the championship too, which would be lit. I think Connor's the college hockey guy, so we'll just we'll he'll speak for the group. So Minnesota owns the winter, but the Timberwolves do not. Isaiah, your Wolves coming back to earth, uh, split with the Rockets and got absolutely annihilated last night by a team who had just lost 20 straight games. So how are you feeling as a a Timberwolves diehard? Uh, I count their record this week as 0-4. I know they beat the Rockets on Friday night, but that counts as a loss to me. To <laughs> they so okay, so the excuse was on uh Wednesday, the trade deadline, they played horribly against the Mavericks. And the excuse was kind of like, oh, well, there's a lot of guys in the locker room who think they might get traded. Uh their their minds are elsewhere and they played like it. Like they didn't play that hard. They played like they were, you know talking to their real estate agent trying to figure out where their next home is going to be and how they're going to sell their current house and so i i give them a pass it was like i get that that's a stressful situation um and then wolves make zero trade moves everybody's staying put and then they go and lay an absolute egg against the rockets uh save one gift of seven and a half minutes of zero scores from the rockets which is i i didn't think it was possible to end a game without scoring for seven and a half minutes. Yeah, and I think 22 only, run. Yeah. 22 run to win that game. So I count that one as a loss because they were down by like 30 at one point. So just awful, awful basketball from the wolves uh, in the last two games. Um, it was interesting to see that they didn't make any moves at the trade deadline. I know there was a lot of talk of John Collins, uh, a lot of talk of Aaron Gordon. Uh, I've mentioned Al Freak Amino. These are all three guys that got moved at the deadline. And um, well, Collins didn't get moved, but Gordon and Amino both got moved and really for not that high of a price, honestly. Like Gordon went for Gary Harris and a first rounder. Um, I think the Wolves could have had. A similar deal they go a kogi in a first rounder or culver in a first rounder i think those are equivalent to what gary harris has done and then amino was kind of like a throw-in guy and it'd be nice to be nice to have seen them fill something out in the power forward position i know the stance is that they're waiting to see 
uh, until Beasley's back and Delo's back and, you know, really assess the roster at its full capacity. Um, and I get that. And, you know, it's, it's a lost season, obviously. And I think, uh, to me, this just indicates it's going to be a big off season for the Wolves. They're going to make a lot of moves this off season. And one guy I'm keying up on, Laurie Markkinen, the Finnish assassin. He's a guy I want. He play the power forward. I, he's the obviously a horrible defender, but the Wolves have said they want to be an Fits offensive right team. Yeah, exactly. It's like he was born to be on this team. Yeah, yeah but That's he's a dead eye. He building. can shoot. Like he's a really good shooter. He's averaging. Uh, 16 points this year. He's shooting over 40% from three, like 45% from three. Uh, he's having his best season. He's a free agent at the end of the year, and he basically just got boxed out of his position with the Bulls as they added Vucevic and Aminu. So I think he's no longer a fit there. Might be a guy we could pick up. It was just tough to watch the Wolves get throttled by a team of guys that I had hardly even heard of. So I've got a game for uh, Connor and Lucas. I like to call this game NBA player or NBA young boy? I'm going to give you three names. Two of them are players on the Rockets, and one of them is the rapper who goes by NBA young boy. I want you to try to guess which one is NBA young boy and which two are players on the Houston Rockets. Love it. Here are the three names. Kentrell Galden, KJ Martin, and Jay Sean Tate. Did you say that? Kentrell Galden, KJ Martin, and Jay Sean Tate. Two of those guys are contributors on the Houston Rockets, and one of them is NBA Youngboy, a rapper. I'm going the Rockets, guys, are the first and the third. I'm going the Rockets are the second and the third. So the first name was Kentrell Galden. Second was KJ Martin. Third one was Jay Sean Tate. And the first guy, Kentrell Galden, Kentrell. was NBA Youngboy, or is NBA Youngboy. So, Connor, congratulations. You Way win go, NBA player or NBA Youngboy. Boy. baby. Easy money. <laughs> Easy money, baby. Uh, I just have one little nugget on the Wolves. They have officially moved into my boring category. You don't get to suck and then not make a move at the deadline and, like, expect me to be interested in the team. Like, obviously... I'm a Minnesota sports fan, so I want to be interested in Minnesota sports. But like, to do nothing at the deadline, just a bummer. I understand the point Ike made, and it's super valid on wanting to see where this roster is going to go when we're all together. But I don't know. It just feels like a potential missed opportunity, uh, even if it was something where it's, you're, get, you're gaining draft picks for guys that you just don't see in the future. I don't know. It would have been nice to see us bring somebody in or move somebody out to try to get capital in the future. It feels like a missed opportunity, but if they do have a big offseason, you're back, baby. So right now, moved into the boring category, but we'll see how long it lasts. I agree, Connor. I think they are in the boring country or category, and this has become wild country. Um, oh, but I, I, and I agree on the whole not making a move. I think the justification that they gave was just that a justification for not being able to make any moves i think they wanted to i think rosas you've seen it in the past he's very mm -hmm. uh, willing yeah. to move players he likes to try to wheel and deal a little bit and obviously this roster as it's constructed is not a winner um, so i can't imagine that he was like just content to just sit and keep this roster i think mm -hmm. that was like a oh we didn't get anything yeah no we were just like really wanted to see what this roster can do when it's fully together um sure. similar to the like I think Danny Ainge does this of like, oh, we could have got those guys when the Celtics don't get people. Like, oh, we, we could have got them. We just didn't want them. But 
Yeah. It, it feels a little bit like there's a, the twins thing in there where it's like you'll always see the beat writers say they made a good offer for for this guy. It just was it was a fair offer. It just wasn't the the one he chose. You know, we tried. We went out there. We tested the waters, and nothing felt right. So we're out. Gave it the old college try. That's true. Connor, good segue into the Twins, though. Still not a ton of news coming out of spring training. But I think the biggest news for the Twins might actually be news coming out of the White Sox camp. Uh, their left fielder, Eloy Jimenez, tore his pec muscle trying to rob a home run in spring training. And now he's out five to six months. And he's one of the guys that hits in the middle of their lineup. He's an MVP caliber bat. How do you guys feel? Are you happy when an opponent, one of their best players, gets hurt? gets hurt do you like celebrate that or it's kind of like an awkward spot to be in as a fan where you don't want to really celebrate a guy getting hurt but it is good news for the twins yeah i would i would say you don't celebrate it but you can be like oh yeah that's good for the twins and then like in the back of your mind be like oh hell yeah <laughs> like hopefully they just have some schmuck who gets pulled up from triple a or something who doesn't or they you know they try three or four guys out there but yeah obviously you don't want to root for anyone getting hurt but we're happy for the twins, not happy because he got hurt, right? That's how I'm rationalizing it in my mind. It's a fine line, but you're walking it the right <laughs> way. Okay. Yeah, I definitely don't think I'm going to do the Call of Duty teabag after I kill somebody thing on this guy. But um, <laughs> I will say that I, I've always kind of approached it as it's one of those things where injuries happen. I'm, I'm a player's guy. Like I want big contracts because people work hard to get what they can. But at the same time, I do not abide by the philosophy like, oh, I'm this guy who I need to beat the team at full strength. Like, I'm not going to enjoy it enough if I beat them when they are like missing guys. It's like I'm beating the team that they can put out there that day. So I'm happy that the Twins are going to get a go against the team without Jimenez. I'm not going to I'm not going to teabag him after I get a headshot in Call of Duty, but I am just going to say whatever White Sox team they put out there, the Twins got to go beat them. Next man up mentality. I was going to be fully against you, Connor, but I think I actually kind of agree on the idea of, you know, you control what you can control. And as as the twins and as a twins fan, mm-hmm. you have you have no impact over whether or not Jimenez gets hurt, gets hurt and won't play. You play the team in front of you. I really like that. Um, I will say I am bummed for him because like going all out all the time, trying to rob a home run in spring training. That's awesome. Like that's a guy you want on your team, right? So that's a bummer to get hurt like that. You want players who are going to play hard all the time. Um, but I'm also a little bit, you know, I'm an excellence guy. And you really, as an excellence guy, you want to be able to say you beat the best. Mm-hmm. And you want to be able to play the best at their fullest. But you have to respect that you have no control over that. And you play who you play. I think there's two sides to that Robin home run and spring training coin. Like, I understand, like, you want a guy that goes all out. But at the same time, well, <sighs> It's hard. It's like, is it a risk worth taking in spring training? Like you don't like, you're not going to, you know, save the day for, I just, I just, I see both sides to the argument. And I, I kind of think I almost lean, like, I don't need a guy who's going to be a middle order hitter for me this season to go try to rob a home run in spring training, which admittedly to like every player they know, it really doesn't mean a whole lot. It's just about getting your reps in and kind of getting comfortable with the game. But so I, I almost game lean the other way on that. You got to practice how you play. What if it's game 163? You're in a deadlock for uh, winning the division, and balls hit out to left field, and it's and you're on the balls bench. Balls hit out to left to field, and there's a chance to rob it, and you never practice it, and you you know it gets over the fence. Your team loses. 
You know who's got preseason figured out? The NFL. They don't even dress guys for most of the game. They're like, yeah, you're on the team. Go take the showers, bud. You're wearing a ball cap backwards with a sweatshirt with your team logo on it. That's what I'm talking about. Well, that's just because baseball is more of a skill sport and it's more important to get your reps in. That's that's fair. Speaking of uh, left field, who who are the Twins going to put out there? Kirilov now getting sent, or what was he, option to a, an alternate training site, I think was the official term. I think it might be a left field by committee here. We've got, who is it, Jake Cave is this garlic guy. Never heard of him before. Yeah, love the uh, seasoning, but I've never heard of him. <laughs> and then Rooker, and uh, I'm, I'm still... Hope uh, Luisa Rise gets to play a good amount out there. I just love seeing that guy play. Yeah, I uh, one thing I'll say is I did tweak my hamstring last year trying to stretch a double into a triple and slow pitch softball. But if we're going by committee, I'll limber up and get out there and play some left field for the Twins. That's kind of what it's looking like right now. It is for sure going to be by committee at the beginning of the year. I think they're going to make somebody earn the spot. That seems kind of like, and maybe this is an old Twins regime thing to say, but it seems like kind of the Twins way. It's like, all right, let's have let's throw a bunch of things at it and see what sticks. Let's see who performs, and we'll ride the hot hand. So that's kind of what I see. But I hope it's a rise, because the dude just he loves baseball, and as a fan of like baseball as a game and the Twins, you like to see guys who just enjoy playing the game and have fun, and they make it fun for you. Yeah, guys who try hard all the time, regardless of the situation, except for in spring training. If we are drudging up, you know, washed up old guys, should we see what Josh Willingham's up to? See if he wants to go stand out there for a little while again? Or Josh yeah, Jones? He's, like, he's, he's a lot like, I would say he's a lot like Jim Tomey, some even would say at times. <laughs> at times, right? at right? times, yes. But while we're on that topic, I mean. I'm on Josh Jones, by the way. I've been. <laughs> they, what, they're, uh, they're trying Miguel Sano out at third base again. Maybe just tell him to back up a little bit. Try him out in left field. Didn't work in right. Maybe it'll work in left. Who knows? We saw that experiment. That was <laughs> not something I want to witness for another inning in my life. Well, I'm try- I have a visual of like Sano back, like dancing to that. Like, hey, big girl, won't you back it up? Hey, won't you back it up? Into left field right now in my head. And I'm, and I'm kind of liking it. You know, one guy we did forget, Tortuga. Always, he could potentially be out there too. Who knows? He's been mashing this spring. Yeah. Here's a hot take. Twins are going to trade him at the deadline. I feel like he just doesn't fit like with the team. I don't think there's like a real spot for him. And in my opinion, I think he's a good enough player to contribute on other teams. And so I kind of hope they do trade him just so he can play because I like him a lot. And I don't like seeing him getting buried in the lineup, but I could see us trading him, getting some value um, at the deadline. Hot take. That was a hot take. Dalt, do you have any ideas of who we're going to have in left field as kind of the more the twins guy? So I think it's going to be a lot of Brent Rooker and Jake Cave splitting time in left field. Jake Cave, as a left-handed hitter, hits righties really well. He's a career 265 hitter um, when right-handers are on the bump. He's a 220 hitter when lefties are on the hill. He's a starting quality outfielder um, against righties, and Brent Rooker's basically the opposite Uh, he's a little bit more uh, matchup proof as a right-hander but i think it's going to be when a right-hander's on the mound we might see a lot of jake cave when a lefty's on the mound it's probably a lock that rooker's going to be out there especially considering i think rooker's hitting over 300 this spring so he's been looking good coming back from that uh, fractured arm that he suffered last year 
he's been a guy who, I mean, he looked good, and I think he only played for 12 games or something in his stint last year, but Rooker hit a couple home runs, hit above 300. I think he's an MLB-ready bat. It's just a question of his defensive skills out there. Putting him out there against lefties, that's maybe what once every five or six games. I think that's something that we'll see as Twins fans. I do agree. It might be some of a rise depending on infield health because he's not a guy you can keep out of the lineup. And if Polanco, Simmons, and Donaldson are all healthy, you can't play a rise two or three games a week. He needs to be five or six games. So he, he might play more left to start the year until someone inevitably goes on the IL. So with the inf- well, I got two things. First, uh, I would be wary of committing Jake Cave to being the everyday starter and left just because you're going to have to have a really good backup plan for when Buxton gets hurt because he inevitably Taking will get bomb. hurt, right? Like it's going to happen again. And then Jake Cave has proven, like you said, he can be a quality center fielder for us too. Um, and I think he's better in center than Max Kepler. So you, you have to have that contingency plan. Of, Noodle arm Max Kepler. Well, that's not what I mean, but... I think you have to be able to be really confident. If Jake Cave's your like primary guy and left, you have to be really confident in whoever the second and third guys are too because at some point that position is going to be, I think, totally opened up. Second is talking about the infield um, and trying to get a rise into the infield. Do you think either a rise or Polanco is going to play? Are, are either of them going to play any third base this year? I know they've tried out Sano a little bit at third base just because the plan as it sounds right now is that Donaldson is not going to play every game. He's going to have planned rest built into the season to try to keep him healthy towards the end of the year. Um, So I'm just wondering what you guys think about the situation at third base. Will that be a way that a rise could get into the lineup? I think definitely. I mean, they're probably going to try to keep Polanco in as much as possible as if he's healthy, assuming. Um, but I mean, I would personally like to see Arise play there. I think he's more of a natural infielder than than an outfielder, certainly. So anywhere he can play in the infield, besides maybe first base, would be would be fine with me. I think you could, ex- if I were running the Twins, I would expect Arise to play two games a week at third, two games a week at second, and then maybe two games a week in left, and then that'll get you to your six games because... If you DH Donaldson one game a week and sit him for a second game a week, that's two free games at third. Polanco, if you sit him once a week and then maybe play him at short once a week and give Simmons a break, that's two games for a rise at second. And then you can mix him into the outfield too. It's assuming that Baldelli is going to be cautious with his players with injury history and you know giving them a, a day off every week. Last couple of years, he's played Polanco nearly every day, but with two consecutive ankle surgeries in the offseason, I think it would be a smart move to maybe sit him. Dalt, do you see Polanco playing any third or not really? Like, he is more of a rise, kind of doing that platoon thing. Yeah, based on what I've read, they want Polanco to be the everyday second baseman, essentially, and then he'll spell Simmons at shortstop when Simmons uh, needs a day off. I like it. Just because we're just talking about Polanco, I'll throw this in there. I think he is the X factor for the offense this season. I think when you look around the diamond, a lot of the guys, you sort of know what you're going to get from them when they're on the field. The The injury history is questionable for guys like Donaldson, uh, Buxton, Sano even. But I think a lot of them, you sort of know what you're getting. Polanco, he put together a few really, really good months first half of 2019. 
obviously started the all-star game at shortstop. Is that is that guy still in there? Was that a fluke? We don't know. But since then, he's been a pretty poor offensive player. And I think he is kind of a swing guy where he, he could really jumpstart an offense. I mean, he was hitting third, fourth, fifth for us a lot of 2019. So is he going to be that guy or is he going to be a guy that you have to sort of hide at seven or eight in the lineup? It'd be a good problem to have if uh, Polanco is the guy you're hiding at seven, I think. Mm-hmm. That's gets me a little excited. I don't know. Giddy. Uh, just one last thing on him. I think he would be the better. Obviously, you want continuity up the up the middle. I think that's really important for a defense is to have your middle infield uh, have a lot of reps and game time together. But I still think Polanco would be the better option at third base over Arise. I don't know. Yeah, I guess it's hard. How many guys do you want to turn into... Like super utility man, you know, because Arise, he's going to be playing three, four positions. If Polanco is going to also be filling in at shortstop sometimes, do you also want him then to have to think about playing third base too? I, th- I think that's something that, you know, Baldelli knows his guys and knows how much defense affects them at the plate. Hopefully he'll make the right call there. Yeah. I trust him. Trust the process. So we haven't talked any Vikes, and the Vikings have been active in the free agent market, signing every defensive back slash safety on the market, essentially. So, Lou, we've got we've got a lot of additions to talk about. We've got Patrick Peterson. We've got Xavier Woods. Uh, D. Lineman, they added Dalvin Tomlinson, another Dalvin on the squad. And then an offensive guard from the, uh, from the Cardinals. They traded, what, a sixth rounder for an offensive guard who started – or he's a center, excuse me but he started like 14 games last year. That seems like a good trade. So Lou, a lot to talk about. How do you feel about your Vikes? I mean, I'm feeling good. I mean, they're making moves. They're going after guys. I really like that they they actually, I really like the Patrick Peterson signing. Um, typically there's not, they don't do a lot of big name guys, like even the Xavier Woods guy. I mean, I had to look him up. I've never even heard of him. Um, excited about him. I'll get there, but really excited about the Patrick Peterson signing mostly because he's just been around for 10 years and he's been a really solid defensive back for pretty much his entire career. He's been, I think, to eight Pro Bowls. 10 million for one year is kind of a lot for a 31-year-old cornerback, but I, I really think the value in it is just his his ability to to mentor the young guys who, who have had so many issues in the past few years with injuries, lack of experience, all of that. Going to Dalvin Tomlinson, uh, I think he's going to be a really good addition to uh, kind of be a counterpart of uh, Michael Pierce, assuming he plays again this year, because uh, he's he's from Bama. So and pretty much any guy you get out of Bama is going to be legit. They just pump out NFL talent. So I'm really excited about him. He's another guy who just he plays all the time. He's really durable. He's going to be in the lineup. He's going to make plays. So availability is the best ability exactly exactly and now like i said this xavier woods guy seems pretty legit too uh only a one-year deal two and a quarter mil so not nothing crazy but he's a pretty versatile guy too he sounds like he's played a lot of safety as well as nickel cornerback so he can cover guys in the slot which would be a big help to have him kind of step in and replace uh anthony harris so a lot of moves. It's it's exciting to see Zim Zim and Spielman are just 
making moves right now. They got to do something after losing out that that you know that seventh round pick. Real kick in the shorts there. I think Woods is the guy I'm most excited about. He seems like he could be pretty dynamic. I was reading he's a guy who likes to get downhill and get into the backfield. Yeah, he uh, he, he didn't... actually sorry to cut you off, but he actually was uh, second on the team, second on the Cowboys in tackles from the free safety position, which is pretty wild. So I think that's yeah. really going to compliment uh, Harrison Smith. That might be very a, nicely. Might be a testament to the uh, Cowboys defense <laughs> a little bit there too. A lot of holes, yeah. I mean, Anthony Harris wasn't a guy that a ton of people were super excited about until he got a chance with this Vikings defense. And I think um, Zimmer knows how to unlock safeties and get the most out of guys. Like even Sandejo, when he was here, was a guy that I think he he played his best football uh, in the purple and gold. And I think that's a testament to Zimmer's defense and the strategies that he puts and the positions that he puts safeties in. So I'm pretty excited about him. Also, Reddy's a quick guy. He likes to hit hard, but he's also a quick guy. He was... Uh, and the three cone drill in his combine, number one, you betcha. There we go. 6.7 seconds. A lot of people are talking three cone might be more valuable than the 40-yard dash. So that's that's good insight. Hey, also ran a 4.5. Not bad. One thing I just saw, too, to talk to Dalton's point um, is it looked like Xavier Woods had, like, you know, the last few seasons he's played pretty much 15 14, 15 games every season. So again, durability being really important, especially in, in the secondary for the for the Vikings, namely. Um, one thing that this raises a question for me, these moves, what are we going to do in the draft? Like, I mean, I'm not sitting here looking they don't at the need schedule the saying, where are we going to lo- lose? You know, I'm not looking like, oh, probably 14, 2, 15, and 1. But I mean, they're, they're doing a great job of shoring up the offensive line. I also read some an article that the they might be targeting Austin Blythe, who is um, an inside or an interior lineman, uh, a kind of a guard center combo that uh, that could be accompanied, maybe just even adding depth with him. But um, his name has been brought up in uh, a few episodes ago when I said the Vikings may be targeting them in the offseason. So just uh, kind of head on a swivel there. But I, yeah, I'm excited to see how it goes because I think you have to get an edge rusher with the first pick. Like the Vikings desperately need somebody on the other side of Daniel Hunter if he's going to play this season. Uh, we could use some linebacker help. And then I think, honestly, I'd like to see them get a wide receiver in the middle rounds to really shore up that third spot. But it's kind of exciting to see what see what direction the, uh, the Vikes take with this draft because I think there's a lot of good possibilities. And they seem to be adding some solid depth pieces, which is really exciting. Bringing back Mackenzie Alexander for the secondary is also great. Yeah, get there's your Mackenzie Alexander drama. jerseys out. Hopefully you didn't burn that yeah. one left. Dust those ones off. But yeah, I mean, adding depth at the nickel position too, there's going to be some uh, playing time controversies. And no one's more excited than me. Also, uh, what was your favorite Mike Hughes moment? Because apparently he gone if they're bringing in all these DBs. Well, he'll be, yeah, then he'll be just a kick returner now. <laughs> the new Marcus Sherrills. Two leg braces on each Look, leg. Connor, that's a good, really good point to bring up about the draft because we have 11 picks right now. And I'm sure Spielman will trade a fourth to get like you've said it, trade a fourth to get two or three sevenths in a heartbeat. He probably wants to get 15. He's probably just got that written on his big 
his big draft board, just the number 15 with a circle around it. That's his goal. He just wants as many picks as he can get. How do we feel? Mm-hmm. So I thought it was weird. The guard that the Vikings got, they traded a sixth rounder for, excuse me, I keep saying guard. How do we feel about the center that the Vikings got? I thought it was weird that they traded a sixth rounder for a center who started 14 games. I thought it was weird from the Cardinals perspective. Why are you trading a guy who started so many games for you last year for a sixth round pick? Like even if you brought someone else in to start or you don't think he's starting caliber, We've seen as fans the last couple of years how important offensive line depth is, and you're giving away a guy who was starting quality for a sixth-round pick. I thought that was kind of bizarre and maybe maybe not raised a red flag, but made me sort of question this guy of, like, he's worth a sixth-rounder? Like, how good see can a, he really be? Is he a locker room cancer? The question has to be asked. I think that one thing that might plan to it is uh, they're going to pay him $2 million this year, and I think the Cardinals have decent offensive line depth. And so I think there might be a money situation here where you can probably draft a guy that's going to be not to replace him, but, you know, fill in as a backup and um, and then save some money on that end. Because I think everyone's pretty much strapped for cash right now. So it's actually kind of funny seeing the the Vikings make a move where they're taking on salary. And uh, who would have thought we'd be here like three months ago? But yeah, so I'm that's my guess is maybe it was just a salary cap move for them. They thought, hey, we could get a a backup offensive lineman in the sixth round. And if he might not start this year for them, um, Hey, why not save the money? But also adult, I'm pretty sure he will play guard for us. Cause I can't imagine they're giving up Gary Bradbury and sending him over to guard. So um, I'm sure you call him guard center, whatever. And that does it for this week's mini market podcast. We will be coming to you with a special release mini market pod midweek we're going to be doing a podcast podium with a very special guest make sure to tune in and we will see you soon peace i'll never get those 20 minutes back in my life